that we've got company. Hello. Trust me, Hera, I'm excited. This is my excited face. Oh, he's making me so happy. I like you. You don't fit in around here either. All right, if I tag along? More the merrier. Get ready to be impressed. You ready to be impressed, Tam? I'm completely ready. Bright suns, everyone. You're listening to the Geeky Bubble Podcast, where we talk about the Star Wars animated shows from the comfort of our own geeky bubble. I am your host, Jenna Marie, and with me is the Omega to my calm device, <laughs> my mom, Maria. <laughs> Today, we're going to discuss the Bat Batch episode, Rampage. Yes, <laughs> Rampage. It was written by Tamara Betcher Wilkinson and directed by Stuart Lee. So this was a very fun episode that we yeah. watched. It was very, very um, bad batch. <laughs> yes, it was very bad batch. And last week, you know, we talked about how Omega could either close herself up and want to lay low, like Hunter had suggested, or like how you said, be active in finding who placed the bounty on her head. So... Overall, she seems to be doing okay. Yeah. I was surprised. I, I love how they they sort of like train her, you know, like, what do you do? Yeah. <laughs> you know, like when you send a child for the first time at school, remember, what did I tell you? If you see something, if you see a stranger, you do not. And, you know? It was so funny to have Hunter give her like ground rules like a parent would. Yeah. <laughs> Don't open, don't, don't drink for open containers. Remember, yeah. remember every single yeah. time you went out. Remember, don't open from any any open containers. If anybody gives you anything, don't drink it. <laughs> yeah, I remember those days. I still I still think about you in the back of my mind whenever I'm out outside. <laughs> but I'm glad that she's not hiding in a compartment somewhere because I thought yes. she was gonna like go into that upper compartment of the ship where she and Tech and Echo were hiding in, in a previous episode. But I'm glad she's not hiding and, you know, she's actually uh, not showing any signs of trauma yet. (laughs) (laughs) And in response to the whole bounty hunter situation, you know, we talked about the ground rules and Omega gets her own calm device, Uh, which is so (laughs) funny because I I love how it's similar to like a kid getting their cell phone for the first time. And and a curfew, for example. So it was just so funny to hear her. You know, it's use not it. a toy. <laughs> it's not a toy. Oh, that was so funny with Echo. <laughs> Echo to me in the show so far, Hunter's the dad, but Echo comes off as like the mothering type. Like he is constantly watching over her, stopping her from doing certain things that yeah. she shouldn't be doing. It's just so funny to see that mothering side of him. Yeah, and I love that he tells her that it's not a toy. <laughs> and she continues to use yeah. it within their yeah. close proximity. It's not an exact fit. I get my own con device. Technically, it was crosshairs, but he doesn't appear to need it. Echo, what's your position? Over. <clears throat> It's not a toy, Omega. Copy that. And you know, I love how we get a great balance of Omega being a kid, but also being mature and reliable when the moment counts. Which is her capabilities, you know, her abilities. She's capable. 
She just happens to be a kid. It's true. It's true. And so we go to this place called Ord Mantel, and there's a whole bunch of previous tie-ins to this place. One in particular that stood out to me was Son of Dothamir, which was a series of comics that were supposed to be Star Wars The Clone Wars episodes. Honestly, the, the whole city reminded me of this different city in Rebels called Tacobo City, and that's the episode where they go rescue the Force-sensitive children, children. Mm-hmm. in season two. And I just, I love that city because it, it was just so cool to see a different environment. And it's, uh, again, it's very cool to see a different environment here that's very city-like because that alleyway, that dirty, nasty alleyway looked like something straight out of New, New York, York City. city. <laughs> that was New York to me. <laughs> I was just like, I know, I know. What it's like to be in a dirty situation situation. like that. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, we're there because Echo knows of an informant, but he doesn't actually know who that informant is. He doesn't know them personally. And Tech has the nerve to tell him something about that. Which one of them is Sid? I couldn't tell you. I only heard about Sid. Never actually met him. That would have been information to share earlier. Exactly. Remember when you don't tell people what you're thinking or analyzing? Exactly. Because <laughs> you didn't tell them about the chip, the, the, no. the inhibitor chip, and you just assumed that, that everyone else knew. So here's <laughs> your getting the same treatment now. And like, I, I wish that Echo would have had like a quick comeback, comeback to like, say, you're one to talk, you know? Yeah. <laughs> well, you think? <laughs> yeah. Um, and of course, you know, we meet Sid. Sid is the person that they're looking for. How do you think Omega knew that the lady was Sid? Because to me, it was more about intuition and not about force sensitivity. Now, again, I don't believe she's force sensitive. She she f- looks for patterns. She puts things together. She, she knew that the way that the lady was trying to listen into the conversation they were having and where she positioned herself and we, what, what she was trying to do at the moment to make herself inconspicuous. That's what led Omega to know. You're Sid. You're the one we're looking for. Yeah. It was very kid-like, too, because there are a lot of kids that I've encountered that have that sort of sixth sense about them yes and it's like how do you know that (laughs) yeah i really got that vibe off of her they they don't have preconceived notions in their head right they're able to to absorb everything and anything that is happening around them so they feel more they 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 see more they're more sensitive to everything yeah because they're not thinking oh this is a woman this is a, so this is how she's supposed to behave or this is a man you know like there's no preconceived notions right right and something else about the you know a lot of people are theorizing that she's force sensitive to me personally like you i don't think she is because In the past, with the animated shows, since the animated shows are geared toward a younger audience, they would have that light, hollow sound of someone using the Force. You know, Mm -hmm. like whenever Ezra or Kanan used it, you'd hear a sound effect that meant this they're using the Force at this point in time. And I know that this show is a little bit more mature 
So maybe they can get away with not using that sound effect. But at the same time, it's like when it comes to Omega and the child character, I feel like they would incorporate it in there to let us know that she is using her abilities, if any. But I think she's just, you know, being intuitive. Yeah, I don't think she, she she has any anything like that. No, she she's just smart. She She's extremely intelligent, extremely smart. She's capable of analyzing information. And I really love the relationship that she has with Tech. My best friend, Elisa, and I were talking about how Tech, you know, obviously understands that she's a kid, but he doesn't let that stop him from having her participate in some way. Yeah. Because Elisa pointed out how in Cut and Run, when they get out of that secret compartment, she asks, how can I help? And it's it's almost like Tech is going to say, this is how you can help before Echo, the mothering, steps the in yes. <laughs> to say, no, you've had, a, you've had a big day already. And there are other moments where you see that Tech is t- totally fine with using Omega as a resource, as an asset. Yeah, it, <laughs> it, 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 he's the, the side that I think parents should embrace more which is you you need to allow a child yes not to take over not to do whatever they want because that's not how you raise a kid but you need to allow them to explore you need to allow them to think on their own to come to their own conclusions even if you have to correct those conclusions after but allowing them to do it allows you to have more control in terms of what they learn. Like, yes, you did that. However, remember, we've talked about this other thing. And and you can start showing them the relation between behaviors. But a lot of parents don't do that. Mm. Yeah, it's interesting to see how each one of the Bad Batch members approaches Omega. Omega differently. differently. And, and Tech definitely, you can see how he approaches yeah, her differently. He, he, he wants to have her explore. And he wants to explore her intelligence, her capabilities. But then the other ones are like in there. <laughs> right. They see, the, they see the child and they don't see the capabilities yes, yet. Yes. Yeah. And and speaking of, of Tech and, and Omega, I really love how Tech so far has been the one to spot Omega whenever she is sneaking or doing something. Because <laughs> in the first episode, you know, they get into the cell after being captured and, and you know, he highlights the fact that Omega, Omega is, is right there. And then you have the episode in Cut and Run where Omega escapes the ship with the chain codes. And, and he's, like, found her. And he <laughs> spots her running. And then in this episode, they're chained up, you know, with their collars. And then all of a sudden, he sees her up yeah, on the top think, of the room. I don't think it's going to be any difficult to communicate with her. <laughs> yeah. And I love that he's so far the one that spots her whenever something happens <laughs> and going back to Sid you know she's voiced by Rhea Perlman Rhea Perlman from Cheers and yeah. apparently think she, I think she's the third member of, of Cheers to be in Star Wars and I just I love seeing those characters in there because that show I remember you and, and oh, you and yeah, my dad my, would watch yeah. it yeah 
uh, like religiously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you for being. Oh no, that's that's Golden Girls. No, that's Golden Girl, <laughs> which we watch also as well. Yeah, no, I don't know why. God, you know what it is? It's because my mom had me wake up super early. <laughs> for this recording and it's just like my brain is all frazzled but yeah friends um, not friends cheers is the uh, where everybody Everybody knows knows your name name. yeah (laughs) (laughs) um and she also had some of the best lines in this episode i love when she said are you fresh out of the tube because she knows that clone troopers, that's how they're raised. Race. She knows a lot about clone troopers. Wow, she worked with the Jedi. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I found that very interesting. And I love how when Wrecker was started to talk and she goes, oh, look, it talked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's reaffirming. She, she has that that kind of sarcastic. Yeah, like, yeah. But, but we, she has that kind of voice that it is sarcastic. But it makes you think, is she being sarcastic or is she tell, saying it straightforward, right, you know? Right, Because she has that tone. That <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And of course, my top favorite is when she looks at Hunter and she goes, you, dark and broody. broody. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. I love when she uh, tells the whole group and points out to Omega being the brains of the operation. <laughs> And then Omega slaps Alo uh, five to to, <laughs> to Wrecker. Okay. Yeah, that was funny. The f- <laughs> yeah, the the high five between Omega and Wrecker was so cute and so funny. And yeah, it it does seem to me like as far, and we'll get into it, but it seems to me like Omega is the brains of the operation <laughs> because there were times where I'm just like, you guys, you you gotta pick up a little bit faster. <laughs> but yeah, Sid, going back to Sid and her clone trooper thing, she has clone helmets on the wall, including a Mandalorian helmet actually behind the door. And I was trying to figure out why she would have this stuff hanging up on her wall. Like, are they trophies or are they gifts from from maybe clone troopers that she became very close with? And it's just like, I, I want to know more about this character now. <laughs> and, and of course, at the end of the episode, we have Sid where she has this realization. And, you know, she knows that they're valuable and that there has to be a reason why Fennec is after them. Don't worry. I'm good with secrets. So do you think that she is right in saying that she can keep secrets? Or do you think she'll let that secret go if the money came, if the right kind of money came around? I believe she's a businesswoman, first and foremost. Yeah, yeah. And she knows where the money's at. And right now, the trooper, the the, um, the Bad, the Bad Batch? Batch, the group, did a a very good job for her, a job that she probably didn't think they were going to be able to do. So she is going to keep the secret as long as there is money flowing and as long as she can benefit. benefit. Whether in the end, if she is not longer benefiting, she's going to betray them, that will depend on how the relationship grows Mm, mm -hmm. if she gets attached to them if she you know forms some sort of alliance uh, alliance with them in in more than just monetary Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah it's true yeah that's the only way i can see it where she doesn't betray betray them. them because she did seem to be with those clone trooper helmets on the wall and the fact that she was like a very important resource for the jedi 
it does seem to me that she has an honorable she, side she, she to She has her. the capability of doing so, but, but it's different times now. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It is different times now. You know, it reminded me of when Hondo, when Anakin and Obi-Wan needed Hondo for weapons. I forget the episode now. But, you know, they, the Jedi had to resort to some sketchy methods here yeah. and there to do what they needed to do. And and Sid is, is probably no different. Yeah. <laughs> and, okay, and this is the thing. Why do you think the Bad Batch haven't connected Fennec to the Kaminoans and the Empire? Do you think that the guys should be putting these clues together faster, or is it going at the right pace? I think it's going at the right pace. The only one that I could think has already made the connection but of course, hasn't being said. who he is, hasn't said because he thinks everybody is alongside with him is tech. Yeah, I was actually that there's a there's a sub bullet point where I oh. said, or is tech withholding information? Yeah, th- th- <laughs> that's the only person that I will think at this point. However, he did had a a line of conversation that can clue you in on the fact that. On the reason as to why they haven't made the connection. When they were captured and they were sitting, he said that this was a new experience. That he didn't have prior knowledge to which to relate it to. So we do see that they are a group of elite soldiers, but they are exactly that, soldiers. They have capabilities within the constraint, within the parameters of their operations, mm-hmm. you know? Beyond that, they don't have anything more. Even tech can only operate within the parameters of what he knows to be, of what his, his knowledge, up to the line his knowledge gets to. Right. Nothing beyond that. So while he is capable of analyzing and he has this intelligence, he's still not pushing the boundaries. Right. And he also he also mentioned how he doesn't have the data for right. it because they've never done anything like this so, before. So that, that tells you right there that, yes, they're an elite group and they are capable, but they are capable within what they know. Right. They don't, if they don't know it, it doesn't compute to them. Yeah. This is where Omega comes in, because Omega is different. Mm-hmm. In that sense, Omega is capable of seeing beyond, which is why, again, I, I don't believe she's Force-sensitive. She's just the better version of all of them put together. Right, right. Yeah. It's so interesting to think about. And I know a lot of people have brought up, especially online on social media, whether Maul or Boba Fett are involved in some way as like the direct commissioners for this operation with Fennec, if it has to be someone, honestly, if it has to be someone other than the Kaminoans, then to me, it has to be Sidious. And then it could lead to Omega being Force-sensitive because, you know, he's interested in that sort of work for what we see later on. And then I can see Maul meddling because he loves to be a thorn on, on Sidious's side. And um, we can also theorize that Yes, okay, so the Kaminoans are the ones right there. They're the point, the starting point. Right. But what if they are not the ones hiring Fennec? 
What if they're talking to a different source and that source knows, okay, the only way I'm going to be able to give this to them and win this is if I use this other person. And that one is the one directly calling on Fennec to do the job. Right. You know? Yeah. But if even if you have dots in the way, the most obvious starting point is the Kaminoans. Right. Because they're... The only ones other than cross crosshair crosshair okay. <laughs> crosshair is with the empire. Exactly. So like so they know that, and that's the thing about the Bad Batch. They don't know that they're having internal struggles. They don't yeah. know that the Kaminoans are desperate. Yeah, and that's why I think like why haven't they put together? They know that she was a medical assistant. They know that they took her, and this is this brought me to a different conversation with my best friend where we talked about. Do they know themselves that they're Kaminoan property or do they think that they're just soldiers? Because we saw in the past that Fives and Rex questioned that. You know, they were aware and, and they had issues with it. And and I don't know whether the Bad Batch sees themselves as property or that they're aware of it. And I want them to have that conversation. At some level, they probably do. They just choose to push it aside right like we know many things about human life that we tend to push aside right in order to continue the everyday yeah we know we are born we know we die but we push the notion of one day our you know not Mm -hmm. uh being anymore Mm -hmm. aside just so that we can continue the every every day right so maybe they do know it but in order to continue their every day they just push it aside yeah and and the reason i brought up the topic of property is because them being aware of that will help them connect the dots back to the kaminoan so they'll realize hey we stole omega and to the kaminoans She's property. So so maybe they want her back, and that's why they hired Fennec. Here's your cut. There's more where that came from. If you're looking for work. I'll think about it. It's interesting. A bounty hunter of Fennec's caliber being after you. You fellas must be pretty valuable. So yeah, and to and to just to go briefly back to that. Maul, Boba, Cad Bane, who else is everyone's imagining? It's sort of like, and it reminds me of Mephisto in WandaVision. When when everyone was watching WandaVision at the start of the year, for every episode, people were like, is this Mephisto? Is this is this who we're going to meet by the end of the season? And it turned out to be not Mephisto. So it's like a lot of people put themselves in the position to disappoint themselves because of the extreme Dude. fan theories that they dive into and i think we have to like step back just watch it for just watch it, it for what it is because it, i do find it interesting that at the end of the last episode fennec you know called the person and we didn't see who that person was on the other end i guess do they want us to assume that it is the kaminoans or are they setting up some sort of mystery player and I feel like the Kaminoans have to be the obvious player here. So, <laughs> but anyway, you know, we go to, you know, we mentioned that whole high five moment. And there were some great moments between Omega and the Bad Batchers yes. throughout this episode. Like, I love how Echo stops her 
from touching the uh, the weapon when, yeah. when they enter Sid's office. Like, don't touch. <laughs> and she was touching all the things. Remember, touch with your eyes. <laughs> yeah. Don't touch with your hands. hands. Yeah. And I love how she was just touching everything. She was touching the buttons. Mm-hmm. When they went into Sid's place, she was touching the energy bow at the end when she picked it up. Yeah. At that age, kids touch everything. everything. And I remember in the subway back in New York City, their kids, when they were put on the seats in the train... All they would do was touch the window and, 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 and I couldn't help but think, oh my God, that all has germs. And you see them like licking and I thought, oh God, stop, stop, that's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> Kids are weird. They're weird. Yes, Diana Maria, I know. I had two of them. So and you weird. were one of the weirdest, believe it or not. <laughs> don't tell me. I don't want to know. But, uh, but yeah, and the button touching reminded me of in Galaxy's Edge, and we never really got into that part. I, I got to experience it separately. But in the Millennium Falcon, when you're sitting at the, the Jarek table, there are buttons everywhere that you can press. And and I, all I was doing was pressing, pressing buttons. <laughs> so it reminded me of that. That's what... Um... Disney does for you. They revert you to a child. They really, yeah, they really do. <laughs> the magic. And, of course, there was this conversation between Omega Tech and Echo about slavery. Yes. And I thought that was very interesting that they touched on that. According to Sid's intel, the Zygerian slave traders are hiding in the ruins of old Ord Mantell City. What's a slave trader? Someone who buys and sells people for credits. People can be sold. They don't have a choice. They're captives treated like property. That doesn't seem right. It's not. And I thought, oh, well, that sounds familiar, you know, because that's how the Kaminoans treat them. And to an extent, that's how the Jedi treated them, you know, Republic property. And I love how Omega was holding the doll, the clone trooper doll, tight to her chest when she responds. And she says very naturally that that's wrong, that doesn't that doesn't sound right. And then I feel like her holding the doll is almost emphasizing that this is similar to what's happening to the clone troopers. Yeah. And I wish that they could have gone a little bit deeper into that. Like, that's how they treat us. But I, I think Omega holding the doll the way that she was kind of... Let's you know that maybe Omega is aware. Yes, uh, she understands that that is their position. Yeah. And I think another question that needs to be answered, and I brought it up briefly earlier, was whether they see themselves as property. Like, they know know that they're defectors, they left the war, but do they know that they're property? And I really love the conversation between Echo Tech and Omega because that's essentially what's happening with the clone troopers. They're slaves. And if the Bad Batch were aware of the fact that they're property, then maybe they would be one step closer to assuming that the Kaminoans are behind Fennec. Because then they would know, okay, they want Omega back. We took Omega. Omega means something to them. And it's just so interesting. And that's why I think that Omega is like the brains of the operation. Because I'm like, guys, how have you not put this together? Together. Um, Again, it goes to who they are, how they operated. They are elite within the the parameters they were set with. Right, right. 
at that they are elite but outside of that they're, they're just they're just learning at the whole new ball game it's you know? really it's really interesting to see yeah and and of course my best friend and i brought up the whole how the bad batch think when it comes to defecting from the army do they think they weren't allowed to leave because they were soldiers and there were rules and regulations or do they think that they weren't allowed to leave because they were property so we got into this whole conversation about how we we really don't know what the bad batch thinks when it comes to this and i hope that they touch on it further down the line because fives and rex were very aware and they were self-aware but i'd love to see the bad batch acknowledge some of those topics and here's hoping that we do. <laughs> and I also love how Omega customized her little clone trooper doll. She made it look really like a bad batcher. Like a bad batcher. And, she, and how it was a she. And I feel like the clone trooper doll represents who she wants to be. Like yeah. the fact that she gave her a, a she pronoun. I thought that was so cute. And another moment with Echo happened when he mentioned to the Zygerian slaver that things would be different if we had our gear. And then uh, Omega heard that. And that was Echo's way of telling Omega that she should go for the for gear. The and I just, I love that he knows that she's also smart and capable. And so, yeah, he, he and Omega really had some great moments in this episode. They were small and you had to look for them, but they were there. Yeah. <laughs> and speaking of the Zygerian slavers, we had seen them in a previous Star Wars The Clone Wars arc. And it was cool to see that arc reference because we know that the Republic stepped in, they stopped operations from happening, and now with the Empire being what it is, they think that they can go back and, and resume their whole operation again. Yeah, and it's sad to think about because slavery, it existed at this point in time because the Jedi were so preoccupied with the war that certain things were done under the table, and then you have under the empire regime it just becomes so rampant uh, yeah. everything is about slavery and money and it's just oh disgusting yeah you just grab anybody from the streets and yeah that's and it like the wookies at the start of star wars rebels like they were also slaves and it's just you know that it's just going to be worse from this point forward but um, one of the, one thing that what I, when I saw them holding it, I thought, oh my god, this is the episode. So when they were holding the energy bows when they attacked the Bad Batch, I thought, yes, this is the episode where Omega's going to get her bow. Because going into this episode, we don't really know the title. We don't know what they're going to do or where they're going to go next in the in the episode. So I just threw it out there and I said, I really hope Omega gets her bow. Because in the last episode, Fennec was a threat, and I imagine that the guys want her to protect herself, so they gave her the comm device. But I'm like, man, but I want the bow. And then when I saw the bow, I thought, yes, this is it. This is the episode where it's going to happen. (laughs) (laughs) And I love that when she opened it, you can hear her theme playing, and I thought, oh, that's so cool the way that they did that. It was like unlocking a part of herself that she didn't know was there. (laughs) And Moochie, Moochie was the highlight of this episode. A rancor. My, from, on a scale from one to ten, how cute do you think Moochie is? I don't know. <laughs> I, I, it's still a rancor. Maybe you're not. So, like a seven? The, the ten being the cutest. Yeah. Two. Oh, three. 
Mommy, that is slander. It's still a rancor, Jonah. I think it was the cutest thing. I would say around eight, nine. But mommy, I'm I'm appalled. Yeah, just because something looks cute doesn't mean it's good to keep and it's a good pet. <laughs> uh, yeah, Muchi Muchi was interesting because I didn't know whether that was the same rancor that we see later on in Return of the Jedi, where that you know Luke ends up trying to escape and ends up killing the rancor in the process so it's like is that the same rancor did we just see the origin story of the rancor okay. but apparently according to some people i didn't really look into it all that much but some people said that it's a different rancor and i can imagine them having different kinds for for sport like that and the, the one thing that came to my mind mm-hmm. at the moment like they went in to rescue moshi from slavery right but doesn't mushy go back in to a place where you know just because you 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 are loved doesn't mean that you are not a slave to yeah, them it's true you are not property i'm glad you and, highlighted that. and the word is what makes it is property right yeah in a way, she still is a slave, yeah. just a different kind, where she's forced to fight, and it's that's still not... property for them to do whatever they need to do whenever they need to do it. Exactly. Yeah, that's a great, great point. And I love how Wrecker and Omega made friends with Moochie. I thought that was the cutest thing. I also like how Moochie, as as fed up as she was with the Brezak, the flying creature, I'm glad she didn't kill it because I feel like that would have been a that would have been a bit too much. But the Brezak was a pain. Like oh. it, it was evil. But that well, was but it was made that way. Exactly. Yeah. That that's what. The, the the creature was trained to do. Yeah, yeah. So I, I couldn't fault it entirely. He 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 was trained to protect. Yeah, yeah. The it's, owner. its owner. And yeah. that was it. You yeah. Know? And then you mentioned earlier how Tech doesn't have the information, and and he's not able to tell Hunter the odds of them getting out of the situation because they've never been in this mm-hmm. situation before. And I love how continuously we see the Bad Batch failing. And and it's so interesting to think about how before, when they were in the Clone War, they had a 100% success rate when it came to their missions. But it was because the missions were given to them. They were able to analyze and figure out a strategy for them. And they knew what they were dealing with. This stuff that they're dealing with now, they don't have any data for that. It, tech especially doesn't have any data for that. So he's not able to compute and figure out what what's going on here because they're dealing with people people uh-huh. are unpredictable people it's, don't have a, a pattern sometimes it's a whole new ballgame yeah this is it, now they have to organize themselves before they everything was organized for them yeah they were given all the tools they needed now they have to organize themselves from the strategy to the weaponry, everything they need. They're the ones who have to think of, right, of it. Right, right. And I'm glad Jennifer Corbett and Brad Rao talked about their level of experience in, in this previous episode with Fennec and how they're just not used to working outside of a military situation. When we see her in the Bad Batch, she's so awesome, but she's also just beginning her career as a bounty hunter. So playing around with what that means and how she accomplished her goals is really interesting. Having Ming-Na Wen voice the character was so critical and so key, and she's just incredible. Hmm. 
Now that's the best offer I've had in a long time. And she had awesome thoughts about the design and how the hair worked. And it's just like, wow, yeah, Ming, now let's do everything you're talking about. I can help with that. Not to worry. Having the Bad Batch go against Fennec, and when we see the Bad Batch, how strong they are, and then she kind of just takes them down left and right. Like, ooh, really, really fun, dramatic storytelling. It speaks to just the Batch's skill set and how they're used to dealing with issues versus Fennec, because Fennec is street smart, and the Batch is more about battlefront experience, and those are two very different things. So you really get to see how she schools them, in a sense, but it's also part of their growth and how they're learning to navigate in this galaxy as a different type of soldier. I really love that they're, they're taking that into account because they're not going to be completely successful in an outside military situation. They're going to have their, their faults. The one word that, that keeps coming up and has come in other episodes is mercenaries. And they're the A-team. Yes. They're mercenaries. Yeah. Whether they're mercenaries for good or mercenaries for bad, that's a different story. But they're mercenaries. Yeah. I can't wait to see what's next. <laughs> but I'm thinking what's next is Captain Rex. Because in the trailer that I was rewatching recently, when they're in that shipyard and Rex is with them, Omega has her... Bow. Bow. So it's like I knew that that part with Rex wasn't going to happen until Omega got her bow. And now that Omega has her bow, give me my Rex. <laughs> give me my Rex. You and Rex, guy, you have a love affair with this guy. That man is sexy, mommy. Sexy Rexy. That's, oh, boy. <laughs> that's his nickname. But anyway, <laughs> final thoughts about this episode. It was cool to see Bib Fortuna, the, the Twi'lek, uh-huh. the creepy Slimo Twi'lek, Twi'lek. From, from the old, from the old trilogy. <laughs> When he was sort of hidden talking with Sid, I was talking to myself and I said, wouldn't that be hilarious if it was Bib Fortuna? And lo and behold, it turned out to be Bib Fortuna. You know, who else do you think we might see down the line? There's plenty to choose from. I'm bad with names, so I wouldn't know. (laughs) And they did such a great job putting him into the storyline that I'm, I'm game for anyone else. Like, if you do it that expertly... And not like shoehorn them in there. I I thought that was really cool of an appearance. Oh, and do you think that the Bad Batch did such a great job that Jabba might end up hiring them directly down the line? Who knows? Who knows, right? Who knows? One thing that I noticed was that Hunter is noticing Wrecker's head pains. Yes, Yes, and I was going to get to that. That is actually a final thought in there. But Wrecker's head pain is getting worse. And I'm thinking that the next episode maybe is the one with Rex because I think he is going to be integral in helping to remove that out of Wrecker before it gets to him. But yeah, I think it's sort of something like Tup where it's malfunctioning or it's trying to function and it might just... You know, go haywire if they don't do anything about it soon. But I really hope that 
tech has been working on that little device because they're going to need that to find the, its exact location. And going back to my previous question about who else might show up down the line, honestly, I think Maul is one of those OP, like super powerful. Is that what the kids say nowadays? OP? I have no for, idea. For overly you, you're powerful. Asking, you, you're asking the wrong person. <laughs> for overly powerful. Anyway, he's he's too powerful for the Bad Batch. So I don't think he's going to show up. Dryden Voss, how However, is definitely someone who could potentially show up because they might be dealing with some underworld things, underworld-like missions, and Dryden Voss is the face of Crimson Dawn. So I could see him show up. I had also mentioned as like someone who could potentially show up down the line, Quinlan Voss, who is Sal Paralysis' favorite character ever. Yeah. And it's like, I know he would be over the moon. If oh my god. we well, You would hear that, his scream. I, I, yeah, we will actually open Twitter and hear the scream of Sal coming yeah. through the phones. Ah! Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I would love to see that character show up. But yeah, there's so many opportunities now and I just, I can't wait to see what's we next. We will be sitting, watching TV and all of a sudden in the distance we hear a scream Sal, yeah. and it's the voice of Sal coming through the mountains. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> it's true. And... um. And I know Kuat was mentioned in this episode. Wrecker said it um, as like a mission that they had done in the past. I was like, that sounds so familiar, but I don't know where, it, where it's from. And so when I looked it up, it's from several different places. But the one thing that popped out to me was that it showed up in the Republic Commando novel Order 66. I don't remember that novel all that well. But now I want to go back to it and see if there's like a way where we can connect Bad Batch with the the squad in in, in the Republic <laughs> Command. I was like, I, I gotta know if they work together because I love the Delta and Omega squad. <laughs> and it was really cool to see fouling characters in the episode when they were being held captive by the Zygerians. That's the same species who were part of the Black Sun Syndicate that Savage ended up beheading. It was really cool to see a variety because you don't really see them often. No, they... Unless they're doing like very bad things like the Black Sun. <laughs> <laughs> and then of course Omega walking on the building with the backpack reminded me of Ezra walking on top of buildings with the backpack. Like <laughs> When the Sigarians went in the ship and she knew she had to get out of there. Like, how cool is it that she knew to put her backpack? Yeah. You know, she just didn't jump out. No, no. She put her, her gear and then jumped out. It was really smart. Like the whole, and I feel like they ran through this exercise with Omega. Like yes. if there's ever a situation where you need to escape the ship and it's grounded, this is how to escape it without being seen. Or true to who she is she discovered she, it herself she seen them oh. going out with their packs yeah into missions so she put her pack because she knew she was going into a mission i see of yeah. some sort yeah yeah it's you know? true yeah it's, I, I really do love that idea because she does mimic them. because they, they, this is what she does she sees and she learns from what she sees and this is what i love about her because that's me Mm. That's the type of kid I was, the type of person I am. I will observe. And this is the why I said earlier, touch with your eyes, not with your hands. Because that's how my grandmother raised me. You never go anywhere 
and touch anything, but you pay attention to everything around you. And that's how I grew up, observing. I learned by observing and mimicking and repeating. Right. And picking and choosing what I will mimic and repeat. So I love her character because of that. Yeah, she's so cool. I really do love her. And this episode reinforced my love for her. It's just, ah, I can't wait to see what, what happens with her next. Do you have any other thoughts about the episode? No, that, that those were the moments like when she steps out with the backpack and she knows to take her backpack when when she slaps the high five with yeah. Wrecker. The fact that Hunter notices Wrecker's head pain and yeah. head problems. Yeah. You know. I really, really love how this show is a lot like Rebels in that there is an overall arc, like a whole season long arc, while still having an individual adventure every week that connects to those bigger plot points oh, they're so good they're so good at what they're doing and i just want them to keep doing it because <laughs> it's so good going into listener thoughts and questions patty said michael wants to comment on omega he thought she was very resourceful and keeps wondering what her secret power or skill is what do each of you think her secret skill is it's that ability to see everything and connect and 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 know the pattern and predict with almost 100% certainty what's going to happen next right just by seeing everything around her yeah yeah we've commented in the past how omega is sort of like that perfect version of the other Bad Batchers. So she has the ability that all the other ones have, but she hasn't really finessed it or hasn't been trained well to use those to her advantage. So I'm, I'm hoping that we'll see that. And I think that's part of her observation process where she maybe she doesn't know exactly what purpose she serves. And that's another thing we have to keep in mind. The Kaminoans made her with a purpose. And so I think her observing just helps her understand more of who she is. And hopefully we'll get to the point where we really do know what purpose she serves. We, when mm-hmm. we find out exactly what that is. And I'm, I'm, I have a feeling that just like the Mandalorian, just like how Din lost baby Grogu at one point, I feel like we're, they're going to lose Omega too. Oh, God. <sighs> they're going to make us cry. They're not, not ready. <laughs> Um, but great question, Michael. Patty also said, my question is, did you expect the child in danger to be a creature or not a sentient being? I I, I expected it to be a sentient being, yeah. not a creature. <laughs> yeah, I thought that too. I thought, I thought it was going to be the kid that uh-huh, they found. Exactly. And then when Omega looked down at the cage with the rancor in the back of my mind i was commenting to myself and i said wouldn't it be hilarious if the rancor was the thing that they have to rescue and of course it turned out to be that yeah Uh, you should be sitting down with them you obviously think (laughs) i know i was just thinking remember I've been I've also been watching certain shows with my mom um, whenever I head downstairs and there are certain shows where I'm like watch it be this thing that happens next and it turns out to be that exactly there there are ways to subvert the expectation that the audience has and what a way to subvert that expectation than introducing the rancor as the child and and not the actual child that you see <laughs> so like I I've seen that in other things so I had it in the back of my mind. <laughs> 
And that's it. That's it. That, that's all that we have for our listener thoughts and questions. So thank you so much, Patty, for submitting yours. And that's it for today's episode. Did you have any other thoughts, Mommy? No, I can't wait for next one. I know. The next one's just going to be so good. I <sighs> with Rex. If, if it turns out to be the one with Rex, oh, man, I'm excited. <laughs> yeah, you, you will hear that scream, too. Yes, that's true. You will hear it. Um, and so the next time you hear from us, we'll be talking about the sixth episode of The Bad Batch. But before then, where can listeners find you, Mommy? Uh, they can find me at Twitter with the handle at Hoobian214. And listeners can find me on Twitter with the handle at BlueJGuys and GeekyBubble with the handle at GeekyBubblePod. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so by emailing GeekyBubblePodcast at gmail.com. And may the force be with you. Always. Give me more!